This is an instant reaction episode of the Basement Breakdown podcast. My name is Hayden Adams. I'm the sports editor at The Observer, joined by sports writer Aiden Thomas, who is covering the game for us remotely. Aiden, thanks for joining me this time, not nearly as late as when we covered Florida State. But uh, let's get right to it. The question everyone has been wondering since the start of this game, what was with Pitt's uniforms? Uh, yeah absolutely disgusting i don't even know where those came from they look like something out of the arena football league like i don't even my dad said when did they change their colors to coal and ash so that was yeah i don't i don't really know Pitt has a cool color scheme and they just went away from it with these horrible jerseys so don't maybe that's part of the reason that notre dame beat them 45 to 3 who knows um but yes notre dame you heard that right defeated Pitt 45 to 3 in the year of our Lord, 2020, COVID, man, just the craziest things happen. Uh, so, let Aiden, just let's get right to it. What What are your three big takeaways from this win? All right, uh, three big takeaways. Uh, number one, uh, Notre Dame can f- control the clock even without the running game being a prominent part of that. I didn't even quite notice it during the game, possibly because like there was other storylines to think about. But Notre Dame controlled the clock for 41 minutes today, and they ran the ball for I think like two and a half yards of carry. So that's not really something you usually equate like with. You usually have to have a successful running game to do something like that, and to see that they could do that two different ways was really impressive, and I think does create that more sustainable blueprint for beating Clemson uh, in a couple of weeks, keeping Trevor Lawrence off the field, stuff like that. So that'd be the definitely first takeaway. Second takeaway is that Sebo Flemister needs to be more involved in the offense. And I think he's been – he hasn't really been bad at any point that he's been showcasing the offense, which is generally in low-pressure situations, to be fair. But he's been a physical change of pace back for Notre Dame, and he showed that he could – he was really – he was having the most success out of any back against the Pitts defensive front, even when Pitt was still rolling out their starters against Notre Dame's second and third string. Uh, and then the third takeaway is that this defense is really, really good. It is scary how good they were doing before they were getting interceptions and before they were forcing turnovers. I think they, yeah, they had three, three, yeah, three interceptions today and just a really strong performance and scary to think of what they can do when they start putting it all together. All valid points to the second one about Sebo Flemister. I agree. I do think this game lended itself a lot more to or lent itself a lot more to him because of how physical a running back he is and how physical Pitt's front is. Um, It does make me kind of worry a little bit that they might be writing off Chris Tyree just a little bit um, because he didn't get a lot in this game. But again, not really his style of play. Sebo's a bruiser. Um, So I'd like to think that they will showcase Chris yeah, I I believe especially just because Pitt's strengths come on the defensive end, those edge rushers, and Tyree's strengths is running those counter plays, which just goes right into where Pitt's really really strong. And so I think I mean they ran in one play and just got absolutely blown up in the backfield. I think it was more like why risk the health of your five star or four star running back when you've got you know two other guys that can get the job done and a quarterback that figured out how to throw the ball today. So. And uh, speaking of health, I'm fortunate to see Kevin Austin broke his foot again before the game, or it was announced before the game. Um, and Braden Lindsay might have pulled his hamstring, torn it. Maybe it was just a cramp. 
um, in garbage time when I said on Twitter numerous times that I wanted Brian Kelly to let Brendan Clark throw the ball so that we could have a backup quarterback who has some experience throwing the ball should Ian Book get hurt, God forbid. Uh, I did not want you to put your starting caliber wide receiver in garbage time. You know, put Xavier Watts out there. Let him get a run. But, oh, well, Brian Kelly lives to torment me and Ellen and everyone else who follows Notre Dame football. Uh, <laughs> Michael Mayer looked good, huh? Yeah, Michael Mayer definitely put up a huge game. He's becoming their go-to. Uh, although he's a tight end, he's becoming a Claypool-like guy for them on, like, third down. He's a guy that Book looks to. Um, he has a pretty good feeling that he's going to be open or at least in a position where he's physical enough to bring down a jump ball or, you know, an underthrown pass. He's just – he's that guy that Book's starting to trust a little bit more than anybody else. You know, we saw him go to Scour Neck a few times today, but Meyer's the guy that he's really been going to since day one and hitting on those consistent eight to ten yard type routes. So it was definitely definitely a big performance for him today. Yeah. Back when he scored his first touchdown of the year against Florida State, he was the first freshman tight end to score a touchdown for Notre Dame since Kyle Rudolph. Um talking about Pitt a little bit, obviously had a really uh touted uh run defense coming into the game. Like, like you said, Notre Dame ran was less than three yards per carry, but they moved the ball when they needed to, didn't give up many sacks, um, and, and just steamrolled Pitt and, you know, finally took some deep shots because that's where Pitt was vulnerable, as you tweeted out from our <laughs> sports account. Ian Book finally heard all the criticisms about airing it out. Um, how much do you think this was a Pitt-like they're on a three-game losing streak now, four-game losing streak, um, struggling with their identity, Quar starting quarterbacks hurt, um, only one of two teams to play a game each of the first seven weeks, and so they probably could use a brief. Like, how much of an asterisk should we put on this performance uh, considering all those factors? None. No, no asterisk. And that's for the specific reason that – and Brian Kelly mentioned it in the postgame – is that he – it wasn't so much about this game for Notre Dame about how they were going to play and creating that approach. I mean, he was, without saying it, he was already saying that they were never concerned about losing this game. They were, they've been focused on Clemson for a pretty significant amount of time. And these games are just warmups. They're, they're trying to figure out how to get ready for them for Clemson. Um, and going into this game, I don't think, I mean, Pitt's defense has been very good. Um, Notre Dame put sustained drives against them, which very few teams have done this year. So against, I, I think their three losses, they gave up. So they gave up 30 to NC State, which wasn't a great performance. They only gave up 24 in regulation to BC. And then they gave up 31 to Miami, but three of the drives were 45 yards or shorter. So Notre Dame was doing things against Pitt's defense that nobody's done all year. And as for them being slumping, I honestly took that as a great sign because Notre Dame has played now three straight teams who entered the game on a bit of a tailspin. And for the first time, it looked like Notre Dame just basically kicked, kicked them while they were down instead of giving them life. We've seen Florida State come away with a huge upset after playing Notre Dame and Louisville hammer Florida State today. So we've seen two straight opponents that seem to get snap out of it against Notre Dame, and that's not what a top five opponent should be doing. The top five opponent should be the team that's like burying your season, not giving you hope that you can turn it around. And so I think that's what Notre Dame came out there to do, and they finally acted like they were a number three ranked team in the country. You bring up the other ACC games, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, 
Uh, just a couple more points I want to get to on this game. Um, Skoranek, big game, two catches, both touchdowns, over 100 yards. Um, you know, coming in, he was touted as this guy with really good hands. Um, if you remember in 2018 when Notre Dame played Northwestern, he had a really sick one-handed catch. Um, and then that same year, incredible diving catch against Iowa to send Northwestern to the Big Ten title game. Um, but, it, I mean, you know, he said, you know, he mixes – I think Ian Book praising him said he has the route running ability of a Chris Fink and the sort of physicality of a Chase Claypool. Um, but he didn't really show that sort of Claypool-like explosiveness. And I think we saw just a little bit of that today. What, I mean, the way he kept his balance – way he sort of burst once he got a, you know, head of steam. Uh, what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it was – it's somewhat a limited exposure with just the two catches, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say, and I think, honestly, I'm starting to think it might be on purpose with Notre Dame. I mean, every time a receiver has a good game, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe he's our new double – they said it with McKinley, who has since been relatively – he had a, a solid game today, two catches, 50 yards, but they – they never – I don't think – I think they're very purposely not choosing a number one receiver because it makes it really annoying for a defense to come in and say, who are they going to target today? Like, is it going to be McKinley that's going to get seven catches? Is it going to be Skyrenek that's going to get two long, explosive touchdown opportunities? Is it going to be Meyer that they're going to seven times a game? So it's becoming very – while it started out as a bit of a weakness, I think, not having a number one receiver, it's becoming – they're starting to play it where they've got three or four guys that are capable of doing it and opposing defenses aren't really sure which guy is going to be involved in the game plan as a number one receiver that particular week. And so it allows Notre Dame to play more with the options. And like you said, with Skyrenek, he gives you a few different options. He can do the slant pass, which you saw that was how he got his first touchdown, the 36-yarder. Slant pass, great hands, great explosiveness uh, to get through the middle of the field. And then, of course, going up and – I mean, he, was, he had a great mismatch on his 73-yard touchdown. But going up, great hands, breaking a tackle on the way down and exploding for the whatever the last like 30 35 yards of the uh, play so he he demonstrated some versatility that can make him very useful but it's also it's just adding to i think a, a deep core of receivers who they all have number one receiver ability in them and that says a lot that they could all be the number one receiver receiver because none of them are on the level of miles boykin or chase claypool which isn't which isn't good, but like we've been saying, you know, with with what he with what the offense has in, in tight ends, running backs, and receivers in terms of pass catching ability, there's a lot to work with. And if Tommy Reese is smart and makes the most of that, then you can keep any defense on their toes. Um, circling back to your third takeaway about the defense, you know, they finally record three interceptions: Bauer, JOK, and McLeod. McLeod finally comes up with an interception after these defensive backs just keep dropping opportunities. Do you think this is the, the other shoe finally dropping? Like they've blown all these opportunities to get interceptions and this is the kind of three interceptions in a game is a lot, but now we can expect to see them consistently forcing turnovers or is this sort of a one-off with a backup quarterback? I mean, you can definitely write a part of it off to obviously Pitt being a little inexperienced with Joe Young, but they made Joe Yellen look horrible and Joey Yellen did not look horrible last week against Miami he looked relatively poised in the pocket he made some decent throws he had Pitt in a position to potentially win the game 
some I think they had a fumble and a turnover on downs that gave Miami short fields. But like that wasn't a blowout and Miami's a good team. Today Joey Yellen looked like I mean, he looked like the quarterback on like my high school football team who who wasn't good. Um and he didn't look like he belonged in a D1 football game against Notre Dame at all. And no, and I think that's a tribute to Notre Dame's defense. They were Harold. I mean, they're great run. They great against the run, but their secondary hadn't been coming up with interceptions and was still being dominant. And then all of a sudden you saw when they got interceptions, I don't, I don't know the exact number of points Notre Dame took off of the, got off of the interceptions, but they were giving Notre Dame short fields, which I mean, that's an only really a good thing that you can get. And the fact so you can write some of it off to be being a backup quarterback, but I mean, those were some really athletic plays. You saw Bo Bauer getting up for that interception early in the game. Nick McLeod with a great toe tap interception. Uh, JOK great in coverage when he really shouldn't, he, he like, you wouldn't expect a Rover to be making a play like that. So just an absurd uh, variety of athletes making these plays in Notre Dame and gives you a lot of hope. The fact that Kyle Hamilton, who's your best player, didn't even have one. Sean Crawford didn't have one. So you're talking about like your third, fourth, and fifth option. I don't even know what Bo, Bo Bauer is in passing defense, like not fifth. He's like the last linebacker you would have. Like how was he even out on that play? I don't know. But like he comes up with a play. So you've got guys that you wouldn't even think about making the plays, making those plays, which brings a lot of hope for what is to come when you're still getting your top players going. And then uh, last, we got to talk about Ian Book, 16 of 30, 312 yards, I think, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Probably should have had two picks. Uh, Maybe one at least, I think, probably should have been. One in the end zone, probably, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I saw this tweet from someone saying the haters were silenced. Were they, though? I mean, he's barely over 50% completions, should have thrown a pick very um you know the numbers are you know high volume i guess of 312 yards but that's 73 and 36 coming to skoranek on two touchdowns so like what do you think of the way book played yeah i didn't uh i was probably maybe a little bit less um I don't know. Like I'm always, I'm always a little bit more optimistic after a bad Ian Book performance. But I was probably was like a little bit less than people were like, oh, over 300 yards. But you know, obviously, I think I was, I wasn't necessarily expecting 16 for 30, but I didn't expect him to like. It, they kind of reverse what Ian Book normally does, which is a lot of high percentage looks, a lot of you know that 60, 70 percent completion rate if you can get it for five to six yards per hit. He was averaging 10 yards per attempt. So you're going to have a slightly a smaller percentage or a, a lower percentage completion rate, but it would have been, it would have been nice to see him maybe connect on some of the passes that he didn't. There's definitely some looks, even the, the 36 yard touchdown pass to Skronek was definitely thrown a little bit behind him. So there is, there is inaccuracies that you could see. Um, but at the same time, hopefully the fact that his receivers were cleaning up some of those issues are, is going to make him trust them more to make throws. I, I think that's been a major issue in is just him not really having the trust in any one guy to make a play. And he's starting to see more and more guys be able to do that, make that contested catch. And so hopefully that opens up. I'd say like it was a solid performance. I don't think it was, you know, it didn't blow my mind out of the water by any stretch. I didn't think it was outstanding, but it looked good. It was, I think, more Ian Book, more like Ian Book of the past, which isn't going to be like some kind of 
you know, first round draft pick quarterback, but a guy that can make plays and win games. All right, let's uh, let's take a look around the ACC. Uh, starting off the day, Clemson beat Syracuse 47-21. Uh, it was really tight there, 27-21 at one point. And then uh, strip sack and scoop and score gave Clemson a little separation and they took advantage. Um, did, you, did you get a chance to see this game? What, what do you think of uh, what you saw? Yeah, I did. I did watch a little bit of it. Um, I turned it off when it was 17 nothing in the first quarter, and I was like, "Oh my God, Clemson's going to cover the 46 point spread before halftime." And then Syracuse showed a little bit of fight, and Clemson definitely showed a little bit of weakness. It was a little bit. Well, ultimately, it was good that I think for Notre Dame fans, they should be rooting for Clemson to be undefeated when they come here. Like that's just going to make it. It looks a you don't want Clemson to be coming off a loss to coming to Notre Dame because they're not going to lose two in a row, and. I think so. Oh, and just obviously like beating a chance to beat the number one team in the country is what you want. Um, that being said, it was nice to see, like, I think obviously Notre Dame got a lot of criticism last week. And while it wasn't a 12, seven win over Syracuse, it wasn't a good performance from Clemson. They didn't look good for large portions of the game. Um, I mean, they Syracuse had the ball with a chance to take the lead, which is pretty embarrassing if you're late in the third quarter as considered the easy favor to win the national championship right now. So it was, it was nice to see like they're human. And if Syracuse can score 21 points on Clemson, then Notre Dame definitely can. Um, but that's gonna Yeah. It, it's a little, a little bit more of a human side of Clemson after that 73, seven shelling of Georgia tech. So it was nice. It was definitely nice to see a little bit more, uh, see that Clemson wasn't like at a national championship level already. Uh, yeah, 21 points, seven of them did come off of a pick six, um, which I would be concerned about Notre Dame being able to get to 21, considering that if I hadn't just seen them get three interceptions against Pitt, granted Trevor Lawrence a lot better than Joey Yellen, uh, but still just the ability to, to pick off a pass um, that they demonstrated makes me feel a little better. And uh, speaking of that Georgia Tech game, Georgia Tech falls to Boston College 48-27 today. Uh, Sims for Georgia Tech was 12 of 18, 171 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Phil Dracovic, 13 of 21, 145 yards, two touchdowns. Did not actually take a sack this game, and Boston College have been giving up sacks galore. So um, perhaps their offensive line's looking a little better. Georgia Tech is better than a lot of people expected them to be this year. Um, but, well, I mean, they have a couple of wins over Louisville and Florida State that a lot of people did not expect them to have, I'm sure. Uh, that's that's fair. I never, I didn't think Georgia Tech was going to be a, a solid well. I thought, well, I thought they were better than BC coming into the year. BC's exceeded my expectations. Um, I wouldn't say Georgia Tech's been, I mean, they beat Florida State in possibly the grossest football game I've ever watched in my life. And they beat Louisville in a game where Louisville just like stopped playing football in the fourth quarter. So they, they're okay. They're, they're, no, they're bad with a couple of wins. They're, they're not a good team. Notre Dame, that, I mean, looking ahead a week, that should be a huge win for Notre Dame next week with little to no doubt at any point. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. Uh, Wake Forest, 23, Virginia Tech, 16. Knox, Virginia Tech, 
probably out of ACC championship game contention with two losses now. Yeah. Um, Demon Deacons quarterback Sam Hartman, 12 of 17, 110 yards, no touchdowns, three sacks, but their uh, running backs had a whale of a day, 129 yards for Beal Smith, 66 for Walker. Forgive me for not knowing their first names. I'm looking at the stats on Bleacher Report. Um, but, uh, yeah, do you see anything from Wake Forest that makes you concerned for that December 12th matchup? No, not really, not at all. I was, I mean, Notre Dame doesn't even play Virginia Tech. I was happy to see Notre Dame uh, or Virginia Tech lose, just kind of knock another team out of that conversation. Um, I guess – if anything, maybe a little bit concerned about the Wake Forest defense. I think I mentioned it when that game got postponed that I was it was frustrating that that's now the end of season game instead of Syracuse, just because I Wake Forest is going to be a trickier opponent. But again, especially if with you know a little hope and a prayer that Notre Dame beats Clemson, that shouldn't be a game that like and like Brian Kelly said, Notre Dame has to get in that mentality of like these are games that you go in and you should expect to be winning by 30 because you're a top three team playing a middling power five team, middling to below average. So uh, yeah, I, if Notre Dame continues to have that mentality and I think they had it today, then no Wake Forest shouldn't be any kind of worry on the schedule. Uh, Looking at games, Notre Dame just played Louisville, which you mentioned beat FSU 48 to 16. Uh, Javian Hawkins went off uh, Malik. Mikhail Cunningham, whatever his name is, 16 of 24, 278 yards, two touchdowns. Hawkins, 174 yards on 16 carries, three touchdowns, a long of a 70-yard run. Um, Louisville's offense looking like, you know, the Louisville offense people expected to see. Florida State, uh, Jordan Travis, who transferred from Louisville, did not have a great showing against his old team. Um, certainly makes Notre Dame's defensive performance against Louisville last week look all the more impressive, though, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I said, I was kind of – it was annoying to see Louisville kind of spark their season, turn their season around a little bit. But that is a really talented football team. And they have – especially – I mean, they were really underperforming defensively, and they've now put up together two pretty impressive defensive performances. So it's nice to see that Florida State, whose offense looked really – pretty good against Notre Dame and then really good against UNC uh, to struggle against the Louisville defense, which is definitely turning around that offense. Like you said, that's a hard offense to keep contained and they showed it today and showed why. So really impressive that Notre Dame kept them to, uh, was it was at 230 yards of offense or whatever it was last week. And um, so, yeah, that's definitely, that's a plus for Notre Dame. I think, you know, you want to make those wins look as good as they are, especially when it was kind of a not as great win you're definitely rooting for Louisville to look like a lot better team by the end of the year. Uh, And we'll wrap it up with, or at least we'll wrap up the ACC with North Carolina uh, housing NC State 48-21. Sam Howell had 18 of 29, 252 yards, one touchdown for his stat line. Uh, The dynamic running backs, Jay, uh, was it, uh, what's the first name of Williams? Javante. Javante Williams. And uh, Michael Carter. Is it Michael? Michael Carter, yeah. I keep, see, it always confuses me as a basketball fan because I think Michael Carter-Williams when I see those names combined. Yeah, those are two um, different players. Yeah. So uh, they had 160 yards for Williams, 106 for Carter, uh, three touchdowns for Williams, one for Carter. That's, that's a scary sight. But have you – and uh, you said you were 
kind of worried after what NC, uh, yeah, UNC yeah. Did to uh, Virginia Tech, but are you not as worried having seen North Carolina lose to Florida State last week? Um, I'd say I'm still pretty worried. Um, still has that trap game vibe. Um, UNC's a good team. Uh, their defense isn't spectacular, but they've got a lot of players that can beat you. I think their receivers are probably a weak spot for them in general. I think how I watched um, when I was watching the UNC Florida State game last week, UNC had like three or four drops that basically ended their comeback attempt. So um, they've got two really good running backs, but Notre Dame's, I mean, Notre Dame's really good against. I, it's hard for me to get super worried about any offense. I think UNC has a great offense, but I think Notre Dame's defense is one of, if not the best in the country. Um, there's things they can improve on for sure. But especially if Notre Dame plays the way they are and they're telling, you know, if they tell Sam Howell, sure, give us your best, but do it in 22 minutes of game time. You know, you're giving him a lot less opportunity to get Javante Williams and Michael Carter involved and really balance it out. And I don't think Sam Howell's, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's great. And I don't think he's going to beat Notre Dame by himself if they limit his time on the field. So I'd say I'm worried about it. And just in terms of it's definitely the second toughest game on the schedule after Clemson, but it's still a game Notre Dame should win. And we will wrap giving a shout out to the Big Ten, who is back in action. Wisconsin and Illinois open play Friday night. 45-7 win for the Badgers. Graham Mertz at quarterback, 20 of 21, 248 yards, five touchdowns. Former Notre Dame uh, quarterback recruit. Uh, would have been interesting to see Notre Dame play Wisconsin this year. Uh, Rutgers beats Michigan State 38-27. Gets their first conference win in over a thousand days if I'm not mistaken. Ohio State runs it on uh, Nebraska 52-17. Purdue beats Iowa 24-20 without their head coach or their best player Rondale Moore because of COVID. Um, and uh, Indiana beats Penn State. <laughs> oh how I love college football. Oh that two-point conversion, though, diving for the pylon in overtime. That, that was that was probably one of the best plays of the day, one of the best plays I've seen in a while. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, it, that, that one, it surprised me. It didn't stun me because I think Indiana's a pretty good team. And Penn State is, I think, probably next to LSU. They might be the most – the roster that got the most devastated by opt-outs and health concerns and – loss it just a variety of different things obviously Penn State's always a quarterback but Journey Brown I believe was I think he was out today I could be mistaken I didn't watch all of the game um but he was their top he's their top running back and I think he was held out for health concerns uh Micah Parsons uh who was their one of the top defensive players projected first round draft pick he's opted out so they had a lot of their top talent uh gone and so you know it was, yeah, it was kind of a shaky, shaky performance and really just solidified that, you know, depending on how Michigan looks tonight against Minnesota, uh, that could be, I mean, it just could be Ohio State's conference and not even close. Yeah, and uh, you know what, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the SEC. Alabama, 48-17 uh, over Tennessee, love to see it. Uh, Auburn survives Mississippi, Ole Miss, 35-28. And Kentucky breaks my heart over and over again with the 2010 loss at Missouri. 
I just don't get this team. Don't talk to me about it, Aiden. I know what you're going to say. Don't say that, it. That they're, they're bad at football. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, okay. In all fairness, offense is bad at football. That's fair. The defense, the defense has been good. I, I didn't see their stat. I know they held Missouri to 20, which, to be honest, I don't really know what to make Missouri's offense. They made – I mean, they put up 45 against LSU have looked pretty bad outside of it. I didn't see how many if they had how many picks against like he had today or turnovers. I don't think they had any. Um, they were they were they gave up like three fourth down conversions and they weren't even short fourth downs. That's they did a... hold Missouri scoreless on a twenty one play drive, and then the offense went three and out, and Missouri scored right after because they were just exhausted. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know what? Let's let's wrap up a little college football fun. Rice misses a potential game winner with a quadruple doink on a field goal hit the right post hit the middle post hit the left post hit the middle post and did not go through i i did i did see the replay of that one i was what was more embarrassing was that they basically settled for it they essentially they didn't they didn't quite take knees but they basically gave up on the drive to win the game at wherever they were the 27 28 yard um, line they ran three super safe plays up the middle to set up what isn't a gimme at the college level. Um, it's, you know, it's not a gimme. It's, I mean, a 45 yarder is a 45 yarder. It's not, it's a, it's a, it's a makeable field goal, but I don't know why you're basically kneeling away your drive at that point to finish it off. Like to, you, you go for the win. So that was, that was pretty embarrassing. I thought, I mean, quadruple doink is what it is. You can ask Chicago bears fans. Like it's not, you hate to see that, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely a weird way. I mean, perfect way to end a football game in 2020, to be honest. But and uh, mentioned Alabama, forgot to mention Jalen Waddle, apparently out for the year with a broken ankle. Hate to see it. Great player. Um, anyone who, I mean, Notre Dame fans, you know, bemoan Alabama because of 2012, but uh, anyone who appreciates college football hates to see a, a guy that talented go out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the college football day in a nutshell. Michigan, Minnesota's going on right now and all that. Uh, but, yeah, that's our Instant Reaction podcast. Aiden, thanks for taking the time to do this with me. Uh, for Aiden Thomas, my name is Hayden Adams. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you uh, later this week.